When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. The following is a presentation of the Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. The Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Welcome to the Kelvin Sampson Show. In the next hour, Kelvin Sampson will break down the previous week and look ahead to what's next for the Cougs. The Kelvin Sampson Show is brought to you by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Now, alongside Coach Sampson, here's the voice of Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Cougars 17-2 on the season, 11-2 in conference play after beating USF on the road, 82-65. Cougars climbing to number six in the AP, tied for fifth in the coaches' poll. Alongside the head coach, Kelvin Sampson, I'm Jeremy Branham. Coach, staying warm, staying safe? Yeah, I'm inside, so there's um, uh, – I'm like everybody else. As long as I'm inside, I'm okay. It's cold outside, though. Coach, I know that uh, you've seen some pretty brutal colds and uh, the stops that you've had in, in coaching. Uh, do you have any good treacherous ice snow stories? I'm sure you probably have a few. Well, when I was in Montana, um, they preempted all the uh, TV shows um, and warned everybody not to go outside because the uh, temperature, the real temperature, not – wind chill because there's no humidity which means there's no uh, there's no wind chill the uh, temperature was 45 below zero Oof. so um i think the high that month that high that entire month was uh five or ten below so when i see that it's 16 above um there's there's a large segment of our society in the uh in the rocky mountain area that would roll their eyes at people that thought that was cold. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's a little different uh, for, for us Texans. Coach, uh, Memphis and ECU games got postponed last week. Uh, when did you hear about uh, those COVID issues within their programs, and what was your week like after the USF game? Um, well, I have no idea what's going on in their programs. Um, I have enough to worry about with mine. You know, usually – the uh, conference will call uh, uh, John Houston, our uh, trainer, and he will relate to me um, what's going on. So, um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. There's, there's nothing to complain about. You know? it's, it's just part of life um, in, the, in the COVID uh, year. Hopefully next year will be a little bit smoother, but um, 
I, I just just don't overreact to any of this. You know, we if we can play, we go play. If we can't, then you know, then we will navigate the week. You know, we've never gone through anything like this, so it's all new to us, uh, as it is to all coaches. But um, when we got back on Friday, is when we found out that um, um, the Memphis game was going to be canceled. Uh, Memphis's strength coach was my strength coach at Oklahoma for seven years, so uh, he's still really good friends with uh, myself and Kellen. Uh, so we were kind of communicated with him they they had 13 positives over the course of uh, four days uh, very similar to what we had I think we had 10 they had 13 but they didn't have any positives in their program I mean they they knew it was coming and they were they felt very fortunate but when it hit them it just uh it just spread like wildfire uh, through everybody the 13 was not all players it was coaches staff and players uh, I don't know how many players it was um but as soon as we heard that we immediately uh, got on the phone and tried to schedule a game. Uh, we called everybody from uh, West Virginia to Colorado State, BYU. Uh, we had a couple of uh, yeses, um, and we thought we were going to make an announcement to play. Uh, um, the BYU game had to be on Saturday, uh, and we were proceeding with that. And then, um, uh, then they pulled out at the last minute, which is their prerogative. They don't have to play. You know, you're uh, just like us, we didn't have to play, but we would have liked to play the game. And then we tried to get a game with Colorado State on Sunday. And um, they decided um, after giving us a positive sign early to pull out, West Virginia wasn't interested. And I don't blame them. You know, this date in the year, your, your, your goal shouldn't be to, if you think you're going to be in a tournament, you don't really need to play. Um, um, the safety of your players and keeping them healthy and keeping them fresh is way more important than trying to please somebody else. So, um, but we, you know, Carlos State is, has a really good net. So does uh, BYU, so does West Virginia. But it's been a good game, but it didn't work out. So no big deal. Just move on down the road. So, um, but once we found out we weren't going to play, we gave our kids the day off Friday, practice Saturday, off Sunday. We just got done with a good practice today. And then we'll practice tomorrow and head to Wichita on Wednesday and play Thursday. You mentioned Wichita State, the, the league moving up that game. Uh, I'm assuming that anytime you can get a game in, that, that's good news, right, Coach? Sure. You know, um, you know we're not going to get to 19 games, I don't think. Um, but you don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, we still have, um, you know, we've got a makeup game with Memphis at home. We've got a makeup game with East Carolina at home. We've got a makeup game with Cincinnati. Um and then when you look at the the uh, calendar, um, you know where can we play them? You know the one thing you don't assume is 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 logic. You know what's what's logical for people outside the loop, which means you don't know what you're talking about. Um, um, may not be logical for the for the parties involved. So for us, um, we would have liked to have played Wichita State you know, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. You know, we weren't really excited about having to wait till Thursday. Uh, that was not our first, um, that was not our first uh, choice. But I know that our, our conference has an ESPN window on uh, Thursday and and they wanted us to play there. So, um, you know, although my first priority is to take care of our, our program, uh, make the decisions that's best for us, it's also good for our conference that, you know, we're two good teams in our league, which tells us a good team. We think we have a good team, uh, can be on national TV Thursday night. And then, um, so we'll play at Wichita Thursday. We'll come back home and play, uh, Cincinnati on, um, Sunday. And then uh, I'm not sure what's going to be after that. I do know we play South Florida, uh, the following Sunday, but you know, somewhere between Cincinnati at home next Sunday and then the following Sunday against South Florida to be sure we can plug a game in there somewhere. But, you know, you know, say, so, well, we can play there. Well, that, that doesn't matter unless somebody else can play there too. So, you know, maybe we play, maybe we go to Cincinnati, maybe East Carolina comes here, maybe Memphis, we go to Memphis. Memphis I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's all, you're doing so much by the seat of your pants um, right now that, all I know is we do play Wichita State on the road Thursday, and we do play Cincinnati at home 
unless COVID issues hit between now and then. And the one thing I've I've learned, but to uh, about this year is expect the unexpected. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, scheduling in 2020, 2021 has been uh, has been different than years past. Do you think that there's anything to to take from this year in terms of out of conference scheduling that you can carry forward into the the years ahead? Well, the only thing that the the decision that the conference has to make is uh, whether we're going to stay at 20 conference games or go back to 18. I think that's the only thing that uh, is up for debate. Um, scheduling, scheduling. You know, I I do all the scheduling here. I, at least I make all the decisions about scheduling here. So that's not going to change. And um, if we play 20 conference games, that means two less non-conference games. If we go to 18, then on a normal year, you have a window of 31 games. So if you play 18 conference games, that means you're going to play 13 non-conference games, assuming assuming three of your games is in a uh, MTE, which is one of, the, one of the exempt tournaments where you're allowed to count, play three games and count as one. But um, um, if you go to 18, then you can play 13 non-conference games. You go to 20, then you would play 11. So going forward, I think that's the only um, uh, decision that can be made or other than that, there's nothing to learn. Do you have a preference on that? Do you like the double round, Robin, or would you rather have the extra out of conference games? I go back and forth on it. Uh, I think the only way you can get a true champion is to um, have everybody play the same amount of games and same amount of teams. You know, uh, there's teams last year that, uh, you know, we played the top five teams twice uh, and, and tied for the conference championship. We were the only team to do that. You know, there's some teams that only played them once, the best teams once, and it was at their home. They didn't have to go on the road. So I think for a true champion, I'd say 20. But um, um, if you're only, if we're going to go to 18, then that means I think we have to, to get our teams in our league to improve their non-conference scheduling so we can get our power ratings up. Um, if we're going to stay at 18, that's 13 non-conference games like – uh, non-conference this year, we we had scheduled LSU at home, South Carolina at home, uh, at Alabama, and then we had uh, a tournament with Seton Hall, Florida State, Oklahoma State, Tennessee. We were going to play three of those teams in South Carolina. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That means we had six um, highly rated teams, or or at least in the in the net or power rankings that we could uh, that we could have played. And next year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do something similar. We're in Maui. We know we're going to be in Maui in Thanksgiving uh, as long as the COVID thing allows us. If not, then we'll go where they tell us. But then we'll have a very uh, comparable schedule uh, with strong strong teams uh, besides that. So we're always going to – if I think we have a really good team, then we're going to play a really strong schedule. Uh, this, and I tell all coaches, don't let other people influence your schedule. You know, you're the head coach. Fans don't coach. Administrators don't coach. You set your schedule based on how good you think your team is. If you think you're going to have a good team, then have a good schedule. If you think your team is going to be down or this is a tough year for you, then don't play a strong schedule. You stay. You, you set your schedule based on how good you think your team is. And don't let anybody else influence you on that. We're just getting started on the Kelvin Sampson Show. If you have a question for our Bud Light inbox, you can tweet us at UHCougarMBK. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Still to come on the program, a couple of games to look ahead to this week. We'll get to your Twitter questions. But coming up next, we look back at the Cougars game last week against USF. It's the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. Hey, Coug fans, it's Jeremy Branham telling you that your favorite stories in Houston athletics go well beyond just here. Subscribe to Coug's Corner wherever you get your podcast. I'll have conversations that extend beyond the field of competition and play on the court. Current coaches, players, and legendary figures of Houston's past. Profiles of individuals and teams. Search Coug's Corner on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify.
Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show. Alongside the head coach, Kelvin Sampson, I'm Jeremy Branham. This portion of the show brought to you by Ambetter from Superior Health Plan. My better is health care coverage that gives you more. Count on Ambetter for affordable health insurance with the benefits you need. It's affordable, and they also have a rewards program. Visit betteristx.com to learn more. Coach, the uh, the victory last week against USF, 82-65. to Conference road win, always good. What were some of the takeaways you had in the victory against the Bulls? Um... I think we played very good the first half. I, I didn't like our intensity level. Didn't like how hard we played. Um, that's why it's, it's hard to play at a high level every single night, you know, unless you have a dominant team. And, you know, we don't have a dominant team. We have a good team. It's not dominant. Um, second half, I thought our defense was outstanding. We 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 keep a um, effective field goal uh, defensive uh, rating. We'll go uh, how, what we hold teams down to. I think our rating the first half was uh, 100, which is awful. Now, the second half, it was down to like 84. 84 would be number one in the nation. So I think we finished the night at uh, 88. I think we're ranked in the top seven or eight in the nation on defense right now. So, um, but you can tell. I, I can tell when our kids are locked in and, and uh, lit. Um, um, but we made shots, you know, but they made a ton of shots. Uh, um, now the second half, you know, we held them to 36% in their gym, which is pretty good. And I think we shot close to 50%, but you know, once you get up 28, um, you know, it's just hard to maintain a certain level, you know, usually when you go in a scoring drought, the thing that, uh, is expertates a, um, a scoring drought is missed free throws. You know, like, you know, like, uh, you know, somebody that doesn't really understand the game was like, Coach, we didn't score a field goal in the last nine minutes. Yeah, but we scored 14 points. We were 14 for 16 from the free throw line. So what does that mean? You know, make your free throws. That's how you eliminate scoring droughts. You know, um, our bigs didn't do a good job making free throws. But uh, I did check with them after the game, asked them if they were trying to miss, and they swore <laughs> they weren't. So I, I just said, okay, next game try to do better. You mentioned uh, the, the hot shooting in USF. Quentin Grimes had a, a good shooting game, too, especially from behind the three-point line with 6 of 10. Uh, news coming out, named to the Naismith midseason watch list, uh, 29 points. It seems like uh, Quentin moving around like he was prior to that foot injury, Coach. You know, he's a streaky shooter. You know, he, he could come out and, you know, and go two for 10. You know, with, you, you never know with, with Q. The thing we do is just encourage him to keep shooting. You know, he's, I think he's got his three-point percentage up to 36, which is the highest it's ever been in his career. Um, but I think that's a reflection of the confidence that the staff has in him and his teammates and the work he's put in himself. You know, Quentin um, uh, plays with confidence. Uh, the foot injury um, threw him off a little bit because he's, uh, even though he's a two-foot shooter, when I say two feet, he jump stops into a shot versus pivoting. Guys that pivot in their shot, uh, usually you're pivoting off one foot, then they use two. Whereas he jump stops, which means he's putting pressure equally on both feet. Uh, and that, that would that would bother him. Um, so, but he he got his legs back, feels good. Uh, and it was fun to watch him make shots. I, I always pour... I always pull for the guys that work the hardest because they've earned the right to make them. And, and Quentin's earned the right to make shots. So I always feel good for him when he does well because of how hard he works on his game. Dejan Giroux in that ball game got to the 1,000 career point mark in his collegiate career. Uh, the scoring has been up the last couple of games. Had eight assists in that game, too, as well. And he's been through so much this year, that, you know, walking across the virtual stage. Uh, you mentioning last week, I can't remember the exact words that you used, but mentioning how important of a piece he is for this year's team. Uh, can you speak to the senior season he's having for you? Well, I never like to evaluate kids as the season's going on. Mm -hmm. you know, that's something you do when the season's uh, over. But um, up to this point, there's there's no question that um, the value he has is um, you just can't put a value on it. You know, Quentin scored all the balls the other night, but our most valuable player clearly was uh, Dejan. You know, one of the things that we're, we're really working on with him is to play with pace. You know, uh, Dejan's a lot better in transition than he is in the half court. You know, he's he's able, because of his ball handling ability and being able to change direction, he can navigate uh, and, and really put pressure on the defense when he's running it at him. 
but that's all that's always better when that's why I like for my guards to rebound you know Nate Hinton used to get the uh, uh, defensive rebound and speed dribble up the court and create uh, issues uh, sometimes sometimes the issues were our issues and sometimes it was the other team's issues but at least he was creating something whereas Dejan and Quentin are two best defensive rebounders. I always like it when one of those two guys get the rebound, and that makes our break faster. You know, when a big gets the rebound, we've got to go east or west to go north or south, which means an outlet outlet pass is hard, usually toward the sideline. Um, whereas when the guard gets it, he can just get north, um, uh, north or south on a straight line, uh, and we can put pressure on the defense there. I think we scored 21 fast break points against South Florida and anytime we can get unscripted baskets like that, whether on baseline out of bounds plays, grabbing loose balls, offensive rebounds, fast break points. Um, that's, that's, that's why I think we're number one on offense and number one on defense in our, uh, in the conference. Um, and it's because we're getting better at scoring in areas other than the half court. Let's say about a player like Marcus Sasser didn't have the, the best shooting game in that contest, but found other ways to help career high and assists with seven career high and steals with three. Is that just a competitor finding ways to help his team win? Um, well, Marcus is a tough kid. You know, he's, um, he's a quiet kid. He doesn't, doesn't say a whole lot, uh, but there's a fire uh, in him that, that I've always liked. When I recruited Marcus, we were recruiting two or three kids at that position. Um, some of them rated a lot higher than Marcus was, but we don't, we don't recruit kids based on the number in front of their name. Um, people that have never coached before don't know a whole lot about basketball value stuff that coaches don't. So, uh, Marcus was probably, I'm assuming he was ranked about 600. I'm just being facetious, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I know he wasn't in the top 200, but I said that kid can play for us. As long as I think he can play for us, then we're going to recruit him. So, uh, and we haven't missed a whole lot on kids like Marcus. Um, um, but Marcus is getting better. And I think that's a, um, uh, the point you made about not making baskets. And a lot of guys only, there's a lot of players that the only way they can help their team win is if they score. You know, Mar Marcus, Marcus is a, um, you know, he's a lot like Cal Ripken was at shortstop. He gets every ball that's hit to him. Now, Ozzy Smith was is going to get to balls that Cal Ripken never can get to. He's going to make a lot more great plays. But Cal Ripken's consistency is what made him so special. And I think that's Marcus Sasser's game. He's He doesn't have an Ozzy Smith shortstop type game. He's more of a Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, type shortstop. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism or his uh, oohs and ahs plays. Like Dejan will wow you. And so a lot of people put more value on Dejan than maybe uh, they should um, because they they value things that maybe is not as important as they as uh, uh, I think they are. Whereas a kid like Marcus, you don't even remember. I, you, you just said he had seven assists, no turnovers, and three steals. I bet most people had no idea that he did that. But that's what it was like with recruiting him. You know, you, you, unless you know what you're looking for, most people wouldn't notice Marcus. But I noticed him every time that um, uh, I went to see him, he impacted winning. And a lot of guys, if the only way you can impact winning is making shots, well, what do you do on nights when your ball doesn't go in? Well, Marcus went 0 for 6 from the 3, and he was a big reason why we won because of his assists, his ball movement, and uh, his activity on defense. He, I thought he was by far our best defender that night, by far. I didn't think anybody else was at Marcus's level defensively. Well, I love the, the cross-court uh, reference and comparison anytime you can do it. I'm wondering if you have one for uh, your ability to take care of the basketball. It really comes as no surprise. Second in the league in turnover margin. Second in the league in assist to turnover margin. Uh, but only one turnover in the first half against USF. Eight overall. Uh, do you have a cross-court comparison for that? Uh, probably uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady doesn't uh, have a lot of uh, interceptions, yeah. um, but he doesn't throw a lot of 45 yard slants and cross cross field, uh, 50 yard outs either. You know, he's going to kill you with, uh, underneath stuff or, 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 um, hook routes or stop, stop routes. You know, that's, you know, if you hit singles, if you're just hitting singles, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs <laughs> versus, um, uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, uh, guys that are up there swinging for defenses. You know, um, 
that's why you have uh, don't have as many turnovers. But the reason why is Dejan's learned to play within our system, you know, uh, and I think that's allowed him to be more aggressive because now he knows what to look for. You know, used to he'd have three turnovers a game trying to throw lobs to Bryce. People would remember the one he made, but they forget the three that he threw away. Well, uh, I, I didn't get overly excited about the one he made, but I but I would uh, lose my mind on the three that he uh, turned over. But we've, <laughs> but you know, we we've, we've gotten him where he's solid. Uh, his talent, his talent now is allowed to come out. You see how good he is. But um, uh, he's learned how to hit singles instead of uh, focus on uh, swinging for the fences all the time. Well, my uncle would love that cross-sport reference. He loved watching Wade Boggs and uh, Tony Gwynn hit the baseball. So you got points yeah. in this book, Coach. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. This hoops season, the Cougs giving a whole new meaning to H-Town. Grimes going to launch the three. Got it. Sasser to the hoop. He's fouled. Gets it to fall. First layup off the glass for two. Kayla Mills putting on a show. The love for Gresham, who hammers it home. Listen to Cougars basketball all season long on your home for the Cougs. The Houston Sports Network. You're getting the inside scoop on Cougars basketball with the head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Let's rejoin Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show. Alongside the head coach, Kelvin Sampson, I'm Jeremy Branham. Coach, one thing that I've been meaning to ask you and just haven't uh, haven't done it yet, and, and I see it firsthand with you as well, is the, the servant leadership. Why, why is that so important to you and for this program? When I was growing up, like everybody else, I, I don't ever like to say that my, my life is any more unique or special than anybody else's, but I had a great mother and father. Um, we go to um, Sunday school, um, my three sisters, and um, and then we stay for uh, worship service. And then uh, then we come back in the evenings to go to, they call it training union. And so one of the things I learned from uh, being around the people in our church was that um, we always had Servant Sunday where we, where people would get up and talk about something they did for somebody else during the week. Um, and then there was a then there was an old coach that coached at a uh, Division three school uh, in Ohio that uh, I was on a committee with him one time and he he talked to me about what he did with his team. They talk about racks. Uh, R-A-K-S. And I said, what does that stand for? And he said, random acts of kindness. So uh, I remember being in a, a Bible study group. I was probably 15, 16, 17, something like that. And they were, and the guy who was running the Bible study group asked everybody, uh, pick out the word in the Bible that you think is most important to you. And everybody was, um, you know, given their word, you know, faith or um, um, service, what, whatever. And my word was hope, um, because I think everybody has something or needs something in their life to give them hope. Um, like right now, um, I, right now, my thoughts go to the homeless people who don't have enough blankets or warm clothes or a place to go and warm them up. Um, and, and, I, and I wish that we could get out of our houses uh, this afternoon or tonight and just go downtown and drive some of this, drive through some of the streets and with some coats and blankets and just give them out to uh, people that might need them. Um, uh, just to give them some hope that they can get through the night. And, and that's also been being a servant 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 to others i think one of the most important things we teach kids once they get to our program is the importance of giving versus taking you know uh egos run so rampant you know um you know, everybody thinks that they're the most important part of uh, of some kind of production whether it's like the game you know referees may think they're the most important thing or the coaches may think they're the most important thing radio people well, it's not <laughs> none of us are the most important thing the most important thing is the game sure the game is more important than you it's more important than me it's more important than the players but you know when ego gets in the way we tend to lose sight of our path our our, our path is to help others 
not to prop ourselves up or, or make us look, make yourself look good. That's not, that's not why you do what you do. I would hope that's not why people do what they do. You know, is um, give people hope and, and service other people. Um, the more you can do that, I think the, the, the better person you can become. Um, if all you can do as a person is make yourself better, then I think that means you're just average. But if I you think- can do help other people, if you can just help other people uh, along the way, and it's not just in sports and in, in all walks of life, I think that um, uh, makes the world a little bit better. Do you feel like that carries over to the players too? Because I, I see that, you know, it's kind of part of the culture of Cougar basketball. Well, like I said, when they come in here, the first thing we teach them is the importance of giving. Yeah. You know, not taking, giving. You know, they, they get they get as many pairs of shoes as they want. Okay. That's that's taking. Okay, what are you giving? You know, it's like uh, Lawrence puts together these um, um, reading sessions that we go around to elementary schools. The Star of Hope is our favorite foundation to help us, where we go out and feed the homeless. Um, um, but, you know, that's not something I like talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's what I like doing is doing something. Go, go do something. You know, I don't like people... Uh, I don't like talking about that because it feels like you're patting yourself on the back. And that's yeah. the last thing I want to be thinking or talking about. There's too many people in need right now than listen to somebody talk about what they're doing. That's, you know, I wish, I, I, you know, I, I wish I had a hundred blankets in the back of my uh, truck. I, I would just go downtown and just start going underneath the overpasses and, and, uh, and just, cause it's cold, man. It is cold yeah. out there. Um, and there's a lot of people that, that need some help tonight that, that I wish we all could, uh, uh, even as um, uh, one blanket, or, you know, if you only, only one, you help one person that's as, as one person that, that needs our help tonight. Well, it reminds me of you saying that, how you don't like talking about it. You're about the action. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, greatness that feels it has to be proclaimed amidst the doubts of his existence. So I'll switch it back over to basketball for you, Coach. I'm, I'm curious what you think of the evolution of the three-point line. Completely random question, but uh, seeing how the three-point line has evolved in the last 5, 10, 15 years, what's your, what's your viewpoint on that? Well, the three-point line is a lot like the uh, spread offense in football. Uh, it's, it's an evolution. You know, um, everybody remembers the three crop, um, um, three runs in a cloud of dust, whatever that saying was for football. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, you know, I've been around, I, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great football coaches. Uh, Bob Stoops for nine, I worked with Bob for nine years at Oklahoma. But I'm going to tell you, I, the, 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 uh, uh, Mike Price, who was the football coach at Washington State that Alabama hired, he was so far ahead of his time. Um, uh, when I was a basketball coach at Washington State, uh, Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback at Washington State, then Tim Rosenbaugh, uh, who played in the NFL. They always had a great quarterback. Mark Rippon was there right before I got there. Wow. Uh, Mark Rippon, Tim, Drew Bledsoe. Wow. But they were playing with empty backfields back in the uh, mid to late 80s, early 90s. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, Coach Yeoman, I think, started um, uh, the evolution of his offense. But the three-point li- three line is just an evolution. You know, when, when I played um, uh, Jerry West, um, uh, Larry Bird didn't play with the uh, three-point line. There's so many great players didn't play with the three-point line, uh, but it, is, it has opened the game up for a lot of different players. Without the three-point line, do you think Duncan Robinson would really be in the NBA? Probably not. You know, Reggie Miller, would he have had a, as great a career as he had without the three-point line? But the more the, the more you move it back, I think the more creative coaches uh, have to be. You, you have to be creative. You know, we run a lot of stuff out of timeouts to get a three, whereas I can't imagine doing that 20 years ago. Um, shooting threes in transition. You know, when we get offensive rebounds, we don't try to put them back up for twos. We throw them out for threes. So the, thir- the, the three-point line has created uh, um, uh, imag- it allows you to use your imagination, use creativity. Uh, it's impacted recruiting. Uh, you got to have shooters. Uh, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have shooters, then um, uh, then you're you're basically playing, uh, you know, run it three times in a cloud of dust because now you're shooting as twos. So look at look at what Alabama's done. 
uh, Alabama's revolutionized the, the, the Southeastern Conference because all they do is shoot threes and layups. That was Daryl Morey's um, concept um, with the uh, Rockets. But every time somebody come as, comes up with a new idea, um, you can always go back to 20 years ago, somebody was probably doing the same thing. Um, but I think Daryl Morey, uh, with the analytics and 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 the um, offshoot of having the analytics uh, group that he had at MIT every year, um, it's created a whole whole new concept of the kind of people that work in the NBA. You know, you have MIT graduates running basketball teams versus guys like Carol Dawson. You know, and it's come out in the way. Um, I think one of the biggest differences in the NBA in college is how micromanaged um, teams are in the NBA. Uh, it, it's, it's everybody wants to control the coach. Everybody wants to tell the coach um, how to do this, 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 and this, because this is how we want to play versus the coach just doing his own thing. I think that's one of the biggest differences in the college and the NBA. And I think the three-point line has driven that uh, mentality. Kelvin Sampson Show brought to you in part by the Joint Chiropractic. Life moves until back, neck, or shoulder pain brings us to a stop. That's why there's the Joint Chiropractic, the official chiropractor of the University of Houston Athletics. To receive our $29 new patient special, visit thejoint.com today. We get to the fan questions when we return as you listen to the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. Houston, here's your chance to be a part of one of the most exciting and entertaining college basketball programs in the country. Don't miss out on being in the Fertitta Center for the 21-22 season. For only $75, you can get on the Houston Cougars basketball season ticket priority wait list. Lock in your seats before season tickets sell out once again. Call 713-GO-COOGS or online at uhcougars.com slash mbb waitlist to make your deposit today. We are Houston. Welcome back to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Here again, the voice of Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show alongside the head coach of the Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson. I'm Jeremy Branham. Time now to get into our fan questions, our Bud Light inbox. Coach, first one comes from Bob. He wants to know, do you miss the blue shirt, red tie on game day? Uh, I did it first. Uh, I felt naked without it. Um, I felt lost because since um, January, January of 1995, 94-95, 94-95 was my first year at Oklahoma. And um, I think January of that season, so it had been 95. I've never worn anything but a blue shirt and a uh, red tie. Um, so... And, and my, my main reason for starting the year was, is one of the things I learned from my father is, um, you know, he always, he always uh, wore a, a sports coat. Uh, he was never a suit guy. He, he wore a sports coat, and a white shirt, and a tie, slacks uh, every game. And he said that was out of um, deference to the game. You know, you have to respect the game. And coaches should respect the game. That's the way he thought coaches of course, he coached in the 50s and uh, 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I think he coached about 33 years. But he, that, so that's why I always wore coat and tie. There's a lot of coaches that, uh, you know, coat, um, will dress the way they want to dress, which they should. But um, yeah, I do. I kind of miss my uh, blue shirt, red tie. But um, um, wearing the polo with the, um, sweats and the, and the uh, sneakers that's uh, certainly a lot more comfortable yeah but i but i do reach up to grab it sometime and uh, <laughs> I, I um i said i said you don't have one on silly do you think that um that the the, the new look for coaches is here to stay do you think it will go back to the way it's been uh, going forward i don't know don't really care yeah I, i'm i'm fine either way it didn't doesn't matter to me all right, let's go I mean, to our if, next. If, it's, if the coach, the coaches want to stay with what they've got, I'm I'm fine with it. If they want to go back to the other way, I got a feeling. I got a feel, If you ask me, what do I think they'll do? Hmm. Because there's so many young coaches, um, I'm, I'm getting to be a dinosaur, I guess. But there's so many young coaches. I think feel comfortable that way. They'll, they'll probably stay with it. Let's go to our next Bud Light inbox question. It comes from Sterling. Coach, what's the best sporting events in sports if you take March Madness out of the discussion? 
Um, World Series for sure. I'm a big baseball fan. Um, um, I like Wimbledon. Uh, I like Wimbledon better than uh, the U.S. Open because uh, I think the way they serve and volley on grass is fascinating to me, just athleticism. Um, and then the styles of like Rafael Nadal versus uh, Federer is kind of like uh, McEnroe versus Borg. Um, you know, Lendl, uh, Mats Vilander, um, Jimmy Connors, those were tennis guys I grew up with. I love watching tennis. Uh, love the Kentucky Derby. Um, most uh, exciting two minutes in sports. Uh, not a big Super Bowl guy. Um, you know, um, I don't really pull for teams as much as I pull for players. Uh, like, I, I, uh, I probably like Deshaun Watson better than I do the Texans. Um, but I like the Astros. I'm, I, I love their lineup. I love uh, Altuve, Bregman. I love that they signed Brantley back. Uh, big um, uh, Carlos Correa fan. Um, uh, the big young kid, the left-handed hitter. What's his name? Jordan that Alvarez. Got hurt last year, didn't play. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be special. Um, but we all know baseball comes down to you one, two, three, and four. Uh, you're, you're four pitchers. Um, if you can um, have a good third and fourth guy and get back to one and two, uh, you're going to win a lot of games in baseball. Um, so I, I, I like all the sporting events, uh, NBA finals. Um, you know, I haven't coached in the playoffs a number of years. So I think the finals are fascinating. Um, but, uh, but, but I like, I like all sports. Um, uh, I was a big Martina Navratilova a fan. Love watching her versus Chris Everett. Love Steffi Graf. I love women's tennis. I, I don't know why. Maybe my twin sister was a tennis player, probably because of that. But I've always loved women's tennis, men's tennis. Um, um, but, uh, but I'm a big sports guy. But uh, my, my outside of basketball, I would say my favorite sport um, uh, to watch is the, the World Series uh, event. Very good. Let's get to our last Bud Light inbox question. It comes from Scott. Scott says, I uh, heard you mention uh, a few weeks ago that after every game you would used to call your dad. What were those phone conversations like? Um, you know, my, my dad was astute. He, he he had a great feel for me, uh, but he, he always told me what I needed to hear versus what I wanted to hear. Uh, and, he, and he could, um, you know, there was no computers, no live streaming, none of that. But um, it was, you know, the, the toughest thing was the time difference. Like if I, if I was up in Canada or in Oregon or Idaho or somewhere in Montana, uh, Wyoming, uh, driving back from a game on ice and uh, snow, uh, he and my mom knew that I was out traveling, so they w they wanted to make sure I was okay. But um, my father knew my team as good as I did, uh, just from listening to me talk about them. And um, you know, I said, "Well, Dad, we you know we had a chance to win it tonight. We're up five with a minute to go, and we did this, this, and this." And you know, uh, he was a great listener. He he would say, "Well, sometimes you lose some." You, you win some and then sometimes just give it away. It sounds like he gave one away tonight. And for some reason, I needed to hear that, you know, and yeah. I, I, so the next day in practice, I said, <laughs> I say, fellas, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and sometimes you give them away. We got to work at not giving them away. So let's use that and let's go to practice and focus on. And I put, I put the score 65, 60. We're up five with a minute and a half to go or three minutes to go. And this is how we're going to play this situation out and I think back that was uh you know almost um 30 30 37 38 years ago he was telling me that so uh, there was also always something I could glean from what he would say because uh, he was a coach you know if you've never coached before you don't really know anything about coaching um you, you know you um the thing I would tell people there is uh, it's not a criticism, it's an observation, is that you don't know what you don't know. And, and a lot of times, uh, the fact that you don't know what you don't know um, um, makes you think you know what you don't know. That's a lot of don't knows in there, isn't it? Yeah, but it made sense, uh, oddly. <laughs>
Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess it did. Like there, like like uh, like uh, tax laws or being a banker right. or uh, <laughs> um, been, you know producing a radio show. I have no idea about any of that, but um, I would have a hard time helping you. So, but I know I don't know anything, so I'm not going to say anything. We're going to take one final break. When we come back, a couple of games to look ahead to as you listen to the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. 68 teams, one program. March Madness is coming. Celebrate the return of the historic NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament with the official NCAA Men's Final Four Souvenir Program, featuring profiles on all 68 teams selected for the tournament. So take it to the basket, the shopping basket, by pre-ordering the official program now at publications.learfieldimgcollege.com. That's publications.learfieldimgcollege.com. Order today. You're getting the inside scoop on Cougars basketball with the head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Let's rejoin Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show. Time now for our keys to the game, brought to you by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Coach mentioned it a little bit uh, in our opening segment, the Wichita State game on Thursday. Uh, second time you'll see the Shockers. Can you remind everybody what the scouting report is on Wichita State? Well, it's been over a month. Uh, since we played them, uh, I think we're a lot better uh, now than we were then. And uh, I think they're significantly better. Uh, Isaac Brown is the interim coach, uh, took over for Greg Marshall. Um, I think he's done a fantastic job. If I was voting for coach of the year in the league, I would definitely give him my vote. I think he's, he's, I think he's been awesome with that group this year in a tough situation. Um, the best players at uh, NTN, Two guard, number one, uh, six two, six three. Uh, with Justin Gorm, one of the most improved players in the league, so leading scorer. Um, the kid that started at point guard for Connecticut um, two years ago, Altariq Gilbert, I think he's a McDonald's All-American, finally playing to his potential. Um, NTN, Altariq Gilbert, and Dexter Dennis is probably as good a three guards as anybody has in our league. You know, we, we think our three guys are pretty special. Uh, but there, there's our two, uh, Altery, Gilbert, NTN, Dennis. That's that's a strong group. Um, probably the most improved player since we played him is Udesi. Um, he's uh, had a number of 20-point games. Uh, wasn't a big part of our offense uh, early in the conference season, but he's evolved since then. Um, they play hard. Uh, extremely well coached, very disciplined. Their intensity level was high. Um they came out and smacked us around early. I think we got down 10 early in the second half. And we came back and went up 16. But um, you know how it is on the road. Um, going on the road is not easy. So we just got to uh, have a good week of preparation and go get ready for them to be in our face, uh, pressuring the ball, denying the wings, front in the post, uh, making everything difficult for us. And But, um, you know, for us, it still comes down to uh, the basics. Um Rebound, defend, take care of the ball. What, if any, differences are there whenever you play a team for the second time as opposed to, you know, seeing somebody once? Well, players may have um, be playing better, may have been in a little bit of a uh, slump maybe the first time, the second times they're not. But, um, you know, just depends how much time's gone by. You know, two weeks ago, I think SMU played uh, – maybe three weeks now, SMU and Memphis played on a Tuesday in Memphis and then on a Thursday at, uh, in Dallas. It, that, that means nothing. You know, it's just more comfortable the second time more than anything else. You, you know what they're running. They know what you're running. There's, so there's a, comfort, there's a uh, comfort zone with each team's the second time. But when there's been five weeks or even six weeks that's gone by, um, Teams change so much over the course of the year. Some teams get better, some some teams don't. But it's, I think for our team, it's um, uh, you know we've had a couple of hiccups uh, along the way, <clears throat> but that's not you know uh, there's I think there's been one team in the last uh, 40, 50 years to go undefeated, and that's why you know you're, you're dealing with human beings. And people, say, how in the world could you lose to this team, or how in the world could you lose to that team? I don't know. Happens. I, you know, just, just move on. I don't spend any time looking in my rear view mirror. I, you know, I kind of focus on that windshield. 
that's a huge windshield with a lot of open country out there. Um, but, you know, we have a saying on our team, and we talk to our kids constantly about it, it's, and it's uh, two parts. One is always be where your feet are. Uh, and then number two is um, always uh, focus on what's in front of you, not what's ahead of you. So uh, what's in front of us is uh, we had a good practice today. Uh, we need a really good practice tomorrow preparation-wise. Uh, our assistants do a great job of uh, we go back and watch the last five games and then we focus on their end of game stuff, what they end the half with, start the half with, start the game with, how much they change defenses. Um, if they slipped in a little bit of zone out of timeouts, I mean, you really got to focus on preparation uh, when you're scouting a team. And uh, I hold our assistants accountable. I don't like any surprises. You know, if, if teams got a week off, you know, they're always going to slip something in. Like we slipped a couple of new things in today. Um, that they haven't seen. And I'm sure they'll do the same thing. But at the, at the end of the day, most most coaches are going to be who they are. Um, and the, their personalities will dictate the way their teams play. And uh, Coach Brown, you can tell, has uh, done a great job getting his team to play hard, which I think is the most important compliment you can pay a coach. Not you got a great offense, or you got a great defense, or well, you run some really nice plays, or couple of you guys uh, score a lot of points. That's Those aren't really kind of compliments coaches like. Because uh, at the end of the day, it really comes down to how hard can you get your kids to play. Um, that, takes, that, that solves a lot of problems. Very good, Coach. Thanks, as always. We want to thank everybody for tuning into the broadcast. Special thanks to Zach Jewell for producing today's episode. We'll talk to you on Thursday. The Houston Cougars heading to Wichita to face the Shockers. Tip-off at 6, pregame at 545. Talk to you then, everybody. On the Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. You've been listening to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Tonight's show was brought to you by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Houston Sports Network. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.